You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find us all on Twitter, at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, at Doug Branson LOH, and you can find the show handle on most social media platforms, at Locked On Hornets. And the band is all back together for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. How was your guys' yeah. Christmas break extending here into New Year's? Everything yeah, good with fine. you guys? It no? Was- Nothing to report, really? Yeah, it was New York. Like, literally, anytime you get a chance to go to New York, you get to go to enjoy a nice little restaurant where you can cut a nice, thick piece of chicken breast with butter knife. Yeah, it's a good experience. All right. Well, he went to a better city than I did. He went to New York. I went to Nashville. Nashville's fine. It's whatever. If you're really into country music, it's great. It's a great <laughs> It's a great place to visit. I lived there for, for a few years. Not a great place to live. Anyway, it was a fine trip. Yeah, I I got a, I got a couple of cool hats. No, that's cool. That's yeah, good. I've I've been in Nashville once. I went for a bachelor party. I did that Nashville bachelor party thing, which a lot of people do, and found the one place on that entire Broadway street that was playing some semblance of rap music. Found the one place there and camped pretty much the entire weekend. That, that was that's it. a smart spot. That's yeah. a smart move. That's what I had to do. Not a great weekend for the Charlotte Hornets. It was no. a 500 weekend that we've so, come so accustomed to here with the Hornets franchise. They beat the Brooklyn Nets on Friday after losing a brutal game to them in that double overtime game that they had against the Nets where they lost just by a bucket. But they were able to avenge that loss. It was 100-87. to They were able to get that one taken care of at the Spectrum Center. Then they lose to Washington, and they lose to Washington 130 to 126. They score 126 and still find a way to lose because they gave up 130 in regulation, nada. Yes. Like like 130 in regulation, they didn't even need overtime to get that. The defense was just about as bad as you could ask for. At some point, and I know we're going to get into Marvin's comments a little bit later, but at some point, these guys got to care. And outside of Kemba Walker, outside of maybe Marvin Williams, at some point, someone else has got to care. And I haven't seen that yet from anybody. And I guess that's why we keep seeing the rotations change. Frank will probably get another shot at the rotation soon. Bacon will probably get another shot at the rotation if he's off the bus from Greensboro. Who knows at this point? But someone's got to, someone else has got to get a shot. Someone's got to care. Well, they have to care consistently, right, Walker? I mean, we've seen them have the ability to play well defensively when there are rotation changes, when there seem to be these come-to-Jesus moments for the team. I mean, they held Brooklyn to, what, 86, 87 points? So it's not as if this team is incapable of playing defense or they've just decided not to play defense for the rest of the season. They just can't find any consistency. Doing some research before we hopped on the, uh, hopped on the mic today, there are 106 roughly off uh defensive rating overall that's Mm -hmm. 16th best in the league so pretty average when you look at their defensive efficiency rating you look at the road split they're 112 is their defensive rating on the road that would be 23rd best in the league if you just took it the overall efficiency defensive efficiency ratings but that would represent that would represent 27th in the league I should say I apologize that would represent 27th best in the league if you just took everybody else's overall defensive efficiency rating it does rank 23rd compared to what other teams allow on the road so they are playing much worse 
defensively uh, on the road rather than at home. And Rick Bennell pointed this out when I talked to him on Friday, that you look at their 4-11 and road record right now. Two of those wins came within the first three games of the season. I yep. think that was a back-to-back when they played the Magic and they played the play the Magic and the Miami Heat. So that was October 20th, I believe, something like that. They've won two road games since the third game of the NBA regular season. And have lost to Chicago in that span and Cleveland and gotten dusted by Cleveland in that span. And when you give up 130 points to a Washington team that is without some of their best talent, it is an absolute team effort of bad defense. (laughs) They have to collectively go out there and stink it up all as one. No one really escapes criticism in this one. I mean, if you look at it, I don't, I mean, they played a really short rotation and I I didn't see an issue where the second unit came out and, and really got blasted versus the first unit. I mean, there were mistakes across the board. I did a breakdown of two players, Sadoransky and Decker, who, uh, Sadoransky went 6 of 11 from the field, 4 of 7 from beyond the arc, and Decker went 6 of 10. Absolutely inexcusable. And there were mistakes by MKG getting back cut a few times. Lamb gets blown by. Defense sinks down, leads to a Sadoransky 3. And then probably the worst play of all was Sadoransky's final bucket. The defense absolutely not ready, not even really in transition, just confusion everywhere. Beal brings the ball up, zips it to Sadoransky from the half-court line, for an easy layup, just no one paying attention to the details, and and it cost the entire team. And you have flashbacks just going down the stretch against the Brooklyn Nets on the road when they had that brutal loss in double overtime. You know, I can think of a back cut where Kimball Walker completely lost his man. Jeremy Lamb was awful defensively down the stretch yep. in that Brooklyn Nets game. He did a decent enough to make up for it a little bit on the offensive end, but you can't allow your guy to score every time. Joe Harris gets lost in the corner. Jeremy has no clue where he is. He hits that three, so we can go back to that. We can go to the Wizards. So that's even in double overtime, right? Like they double overtime, so that's how you get all the way up to that 130 and some change that the Nets got to. But we've seen the last two games on the road, they just stand still with their feet in cement. Yeah, there's some uh, bad defensive performances that are you can attribute them to maybe not not paying attention to your coverages or not communicating. And then there are some bad defensive performances that are just guys getting beat off the bounce. And we've yeah. seen that with this Hornets team over and over. When you give up 130 in regulation to the Washington Wizards, that is a broad spectrum of bad defense. You're doing everything wrong. I, even with those losses to the Bulls and the Hawks and the Cavaliers and the Knicks, I mean, those are all just atrocious losses when you look at it on the season. I might have been the most mad watching that Wizards game. Just yeah. allowing them to score 130 in regulation as we keep going back to that fact, which is just an astonishing fact. But this is the first time that this team put out a roster without John Wall, without Otto Porter, and without Markeith Morris. That should be a victory. You should show up and you should win. They should automatically give you a W for just putting on the jersey, but they found a way to allow 130 to that roster, which with that roster, they have Beal, so I don't think you can attribute them to the likes of a Knicks or a Cavaliers roster, but they're the next tier above. That that should be a victory, and they... They I don't disagree. Were awful. No, it's, they were horrible. That's about as mad as I've been on the season. Why watching do we that keep getting angry? I'm going to lob this grenade of a question out into the commentariat. Why do <laughs> we keep getting angry when we see this over and over again from this team? The inconsistency. And that is a really good question, quite honestly, Doug. I don't know. I guess 
because you get these wins against Minnesota, you get these not Minnesota, Milwaukee, you get these wins against Denver, good teams. Mm-hmm. You would think that some sort of consistency would have formed by now because, as we know, the twenty game mark is generally when you figure out this is who a team is. We're about thirty, almost forty games into this season, and yet. This team has still not managed to figure it out, and you're probably right. We shouldn't be surprised by these things anymore. See, and and I had I tweeted this out, and J Dog L O H tweeted at us, a friend of the show who constantly tweets at us frequently. I said, you know, he said, I feel like I should be used to this by now. That defense was beyond bad. And I tweeted this out. I, I still stand by it. They refuse to play defense on the road. We can be frustrated. We can be angry, but we can't be surprised. Like, you, you can't be okay with that product if you're a fan. I mean, we, we talked about this in, in kind of the, the beef that we had with the Chicago Bulls at the beginning of the season, yeah. right? Where they still have a huge fan base turning up every single night. Like, we can be frustrated. They have the capability to not go lay an egg even at the frequency that they're doing, which isn't every game, it's really every other game, it's every road game that they're doing it, we can be frustrated, we can be angry about that. We demand that as fans where we can expect a better product, certainly with a roster that should be putting a little bit of a better product out there. You should not be losing to those teams that we have mentioned. But we can't be surprised. That's why you can't go all in on a bet with the Hornets to win any kind of road game against a bad team because we've seen it too many times where they will lay an egg against the worst teams, not only in the East conference but in the entire NBA so I know we have to get to break but I have a great analogy that I thought of uh, over the weekend I've been seeing a lot of movies that are in Oscar contention Mm -hmm. and there's one moment in one of these movies that really represents for me what this Charlotte Hornets team uh, has turned into but I'll reveal that. Oh, what a tease. It's the season of giving. Maybe not anymore, but you can still give. That'll be all right. We're giving you the Daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For just as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. That's patreon.com slash LOH, patreon.com slash LOH. Doug's take up next. This is Locked on Hornets. How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We're at the edge of our seat, Doug. What a killer tease. Proud of you. I'm excited for it. What do you got for us? I feel like Kevin in the office. Everyone's looking at me. (laughs) We are. We are focused on you. By the way, that first segment, let me just say, guys, congratulations. That was fire. I mean, we came back hot. We haven't done a lot of episodes over the past, we haven't really been fulfilling our daily obligation, but I think we made up for we it. We gave you some numbers. We gave you some passion. We gave you some anger. Ooh. I feel good about Wait, that for a second. We give numbers now? Yeah. Well, we, we did a little bit, I guess. Okay. I mean, we did. We had, who was our boy that came on with us? It was the uh, DeLong division. Jonathan yeah. DeLong. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm going to try to get him back for Thursday. We we need guys that are better better equipped. And to maybe Rick on Wednesday, since we we won't have Rick for Tuesday. Yeah, well, I tried to get him on Friday, so it would maybe. Oh, it, maybe. It, okay. So like, that's this week's. Yeah. I did. I mean, you know, it was just. It was one of it was those a double that, dose of Rick, it, it was it? it was kind of a double and it was a long interview. It was like a 16 minute long interview. Usually try to go about 
I don't know, 11, 12 minutes. So I don't know. I don't know why this is not thrilling podcast information, but your take is, and I can't wait for it. All right. So I've seen a lot of the movies that are up for best picture this year. And one of the movies is First Man. It's all about Neil Armstrong. It's sort of a profile pick of him. And, you know, of course, First Man to walk on the moon. Mm -hmm. But the scene that reminds me of the Hornets was actually not the scene where he walks on the moon. It's a mission before that. It was Apollo 8. I'm going to nerd out a little bit here. I'm a big space nerd. And Apollo 8, the mission— By the way, I just want to point out, by the way, as you point that out, you are wearing a new Christmas shirt that in the Star Wars logo version, all it says is pew, 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 pew. That's what your shirt says as you are admitting to being a space nerd. Well, I got two shirts from Katie, uh, the Grady, producer Katie, this Christmas. One of them was this shirt. The other was a NASA logo. It's a sort of a, <laughs> sort of a 70s, 80s NASA logo on a T-shirt. I dig it. Proceed. So yes, big space nerd. So this was Apollo 8. This was a couple of missions before he walks on the moon. And the mission was to uh, have two spaceships dock. And it was to prove that they could do something before they go to the moon. That was essential to going to the moon. Anyhow, something goes wrong. And the spacecraft that Neil Armstrong is in starts to spin out of control. And, and they are about to pass out from the, the various spinning, the various spins that they are doing. And they are trying everything that they can to get this spacecraft to stop spinning. And finally, Neil Armstrong comes up with a very creative solution out of the blue that allows this spacecraft to get back into orbit and get back into some rotation that they can deal with. And that, to me, is the Charlotte Hornets. They are just spinning wildly out of control. You've got rotation changes any, everywhere. Sometimes Malik Monk plays. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes Miles Bridges plays. Sometimes he doesn't. They're trying everything, and they still have not found that one solution that is going to get them in a consistent orbit. So so Borrego and Kupchak, they are Houston. They are on the ground trying to make sure everything's going correctly. Is Kimba Neil Armstrong no, and everybody else? I think Borrego else? right now okay. is Neil Armstrong. He All is right. trying to push every button that he can, you know, look at to get this spaceship to stop spinning. You know, I only have one question. Has Steph Curry <laughs> seen First Man yet? <laughs> yeah. I yes, I'm sure he's not a big fan of that. Steph Curry thinking it's all a fraud. It's fiction to him. It's a fiction movie yeah. from what Neil Armstrong did. Is that it? All right. We're uh, looking. <laughs> I didn't know if you had anything else. It seemed like you wanted to talk. About. I talked for a while. Yeah, I, was you, just, I, was I didn't know if you had any more space takes See, I for dropped it. the mic. I, wanted, I didn't want to pick it back I, up. I didn't know if you were going to. It seemed like you had something that you wanted to say, but we'll move on. And we'll look at exactly just how 500 the Charlotte Hornets are in every single sense of the stat. They're 0-7 when being at one game over 500. They're 9-1 when being at one game under 500. Mm. They're 7-10 when being at 500. They're 1-0 when being at two games under 500. Mm. Never have they been at two or more games over 500. Never at three or more games under 500. That may change. They are now 17 and 18, and they have a chance tonight to get back to what? 500. You guessed it. Not a excellent work. 500. And the only time they missed, they went one and one, two and two, three and three, four and four, and so on. The only thing that they missed was the 12 and 12 record. But this is still, nonetheless, a very impressive 500 streak. Guarantee you will hear that stat tonight on the broadcast. Nine and one when being one game under 500, because that is where they sit as they prepare to take on the Orlando Magic. Taking on the Orlando Magic tonight. And Doug, I know you were looking at some 
of their stats earlier and pretty similar to the Charlotte Hornets in that they have lost a couple of embarrassing games to teams they shouldn't have, but they have won against some teams that I don't think you would expect them to. They just blew out the Toronto Raptors a couple of nights ago. They're on a two-game winning streak, including their buzzer beater against the Detroit Pistons. Last their, night. Yep, in their most recent game. And Orlando actually plays some pretty good defense on the road. They're the fifth best team when you look at the kind of defense they're able to play away from home. So, oh, maybe maybe not a shoe-in to get to 500 tonight, but if it's anything like the Charlotte Hornets have done wait, so far wait, this season, they'll probably get to 18. Walker, 18. you mean to tell me a Steve Clifford defense-led team plays defense on the road? Yeah, they don't mess with offense, though. But but defense— But defense? That's a surprise. Yep, you're damn right. You're damn right Clifford has that team churning on all cycle. Well, all they right, don't so exactly much. have a lot of shooters. I mean, I think that's their their biggest right. problem. They have they have some really good bigs. Vucevic is playing all-star level offense and defense surprisingly. I mean, very surprisingly. There, mm-hmm. Stealing a block per game for Vooch. So, he's playing incredibly well. Big test for Cody Zeller. Um, I don't know how responsible Zeller was for Thomas Bryant playing as well as he did for the He's been playing well recently. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't know how responsible Zeller was for that, but another big test against Vooch for him. Yeah, they're similar but different, right? Because the Magic play great defense. They can't play offense. The Hornets flipped. But they both, yeah, they both gotten big wins against good teams, and they can't manage to win the games that they're supposed to win. Historically, certainly recently, the Hornets have owned the Orlando Magic. That is under Steve Clifford, but we even... We have a got. We have at least one game at the beginning of the season where the Hornets were able to beat the Orlando Magic pretty soundly. I believe I forget the score, but it wasn't. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. Biz got minutes. That's all we need to know. About <laughs> all right, there you go. Yes, Biz got minutes, so you know it was a comfortable lead and victory for the Charlotte Hornets. Going back to the Wizards and how maybe their season might affect the Charlotte Hornets is Bradley Beal more likely at play. Stick around, and we'll talk about that next year on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Del Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So I've had this recent realization and and some self-awareness here about the podcast and how radio is so ingrained into my brain. That's what I learned going through this business. It is yes. how I broke into sports media mm-hmm. that there are times that I will there. There are times pretty much I'm all radio here on the podcast as well. But there are things that I've noticed that I do that are necessary for radio that probably aren't necessary for the podcast. I kind of had a little bit of moment right there heading in to the break. We are a different podcast in that it is segmentized. It is. So teases are necessary. Yes. But normal podcasts, you don't really need to tease. And not I know you have been involved in the radio world as well, where that is something that you are familiar with. Very familiar. Right. So you it we do have to tease, but also one other thing that I do or have done and and did not do it with Rick Bennell on Friday is that often I'll do the re reintroduction. So if we're on our third question in the radio business, you'll 
reintroduce yeah, guys, exactly. say oh, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer now joining us here on 730 The Game. You don't really have to do that for podcasts because it's not like anybody is scrolling through seven minutes of the way through, and that's when they're going to start hey, listening. you never know. You never know. I, just, I don't think anybody – I feel like if you're listening, you're invested, and I feel like we don't do that. So just being open, I feel like that's something interesting that I have found myself in that predicament trying to figure out – the differences between podcasting and doing a radio show. Well, and as this network, as the Locked On Podcast Network grows and matures, and as this show grows and matures, we have drifted further into some of the um, you know, professional ticks of the radio business. But at the same time, I think we've maintained a little fluidity that you get with the podcast medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to find it, trying to find the happy medium. Of this medium. It's weird. It's weird. And I'm glad you guys are going along this journey with me. So in that tease that it was so excellently radio produced, uh, Washington Wizards, they have some injuries, right? John Wall, he's out for the season. He tried to play through some heel pain, but it got too much for him. So now he's going to endure season-ending surgery. They did not have Otto Porter. Seems like he will be back soon for the Wizards. They didn't have Markeith Morris. I don't have an update on whether he'll be back soon he'll or not. He'll be back. He'll be back. And so it's not big. But the John Wall injury is huge. I mean, that that limits them. They were already struggling without a, a top point guard in the league. With him being out, Nada, does it make the Wizards more likely to trade Bradley Beals? Is he more expendable oh, now he's that not these going injuries anywhere. have happened? He's not going Even anywhere. with that injury? He's not going anywhere. Right. Because here's here's the thing. Everyone seems to think, oh, it's easy to trade Beal, this, that, and the third. The thing with Beal is, he's, and we've gone over this when we were talking about any sort of trade package for him. You're going to need at least a top pick or at least a top prospect with multiple years of control when it comes to him. On top of that, he's now your only tradable asset left on that roster. You're not going to trade Otto Porter for anything because, let's be real, that money is similar to Nick Batum's, and he gives you slightly a little bit more production. On top of which, they're, what, three, four games out of the Zion Williamson sweepstakes? Yeah. At what point? But that would be more likely to trade Bradley, no, right? I no, mean, they could get they could get right back into that Zion sweepstakes. Then why why not just keep them and trade them in the summer? Well, I you're mean, probably going to get more. But so you can tank, though. I mean, are are we saying that they are firmly in the Zion sweepstakes to where they don't want to win any games, and Beal is going to help them win more so than lose for sure? I don't think it matters because I think that's just yeah. such a train wreck that if you keep Beal, trade him in the summer, and you're probably going to get more for him then trade him now, and then you're going to have to deal with a deadline that you really don't want to deal with. See, the Wizards are such a mess to me that I'm interested to see if he's a little bit more uh, maybe expendable because John Wall's out, right? So mm-hmm. I, th- this season is lost for them. I To me, maybe John Wall, it's lost. It was almost already lost with John Wall playing. And so now with John Wall not playing and Bradley Beal is going to have to be the guy, you know, maybe it's a weird thing where a star goes out and they perform a little bit better. But I'm, I'm going to say that the Wizards season is lost. They don't make the playoffs. It certainly helps the Charlotte Hornets, you would think, in that regard. It does. Of, of getting rid of the Wizards. So if, if you're not going to make the playoffs... With that kind of salary cap, with all of those guys locked in, you know, I saw Kevin O'Connor tweet this out for the ringer. Like some of the best options that you have is trying to stretch out John Wall's contract. That is a 
stupid contract. I mean, yeah. over 40, well above 40 million. Bradley Beal by far is the best value for what you're getting. So I agree with you that it's going to be tough to try to attain Bradley. I mean, they're not just going to give him up for nothing, but I do think it does make him more expendable because it's been a roller coaster, right? Like at first, the Wizards, everybody's on the market. Come get them. You know, we've got them hot. Come get anybody that you want. Then they trade for Trevor Ariza, which is a win-now move. Yes, it is. That was very weird. We did not expect that It's Ernie that Grunfeld. It, it's Ernie Grunfeld. It's Gr- Grunfeld not knowing what the hell he wants to do. And so now I, I do think that if John Wall, and, and now that he's out, I do think it makes Bradley Beal a little bit more expendable. And I do think that the Hornets should take every single opportunity to look at what the availability is in order to attain Bradley Beal. It's prob- the price is probably not going to change. It probably won't. You're right. I'm just interested to see if maybe the Wizards would be a little bit more interested in dealing. And Kupchak, they ha- he has traded frequently. He Nothing has. for that big. You know, there hadn't been any kind of that would be a, a big trade for any team to to look at that kind of star moving teams. But I would be interested to see if Kupchak has something up his sleeve before the deadline. I would I would probably be that way. I, the one thing I wonder is how what's the salary that he can bring in. Because if you can bring in a bigger contract or a contract that is similar but a little bit longer in years, do you do it? Because, I mean, Andrew Wiggins for Nick Batum is out there, right? And you may not like Andrew Wiggins. I'm not the biggest Andrew Wiggins fan. Oh, we've talked about this, yeah. I am almost at the point where when even Zach Lowe calls you out, (laughs) <laughs> like I'm I'm kind of like I've been one of Batum's biggest defenders. I'm kind of tapping out. No, you haven't defended Batum, have you? Uh, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Maybe a couple times here and there. Yeah, Maybe. but I, I'm I'm tapping out. Oh yeah. man, when 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 Batum loses, Nada <laughs> was the Batum, last fortification. Hey, I, Batum had one guy to think for any positive thoughts his way, and it was Nada. And now that Nada has jumped off of that. Boy, Nick Batum, it's not looking we good. We didn't for really, him. we didn't really single him out. No, we didn't uh, in our analysis of that Wizards game. But he was particularly awful on defense yeah. in that game. No, oh, he he was atrocious. Uh, he was he was really bad watching. He couldn't keep guys in front of him. The closeout you mentioned, we talked about this before the show, uh, Doug. Now there was a one particularly bad closeout that Nick Batum had when he kind of lost somebody. He wasn't good. So moving on to some more Hornets despair, just real quickly before we end it today. It was an anniversary for the Charlotte Hornets yesterday that when they played the Washington Wizards, owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, dropped the 50-piece on him. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was, 51. Yeah, 51. Cinquantuno. And, and, became the, and became the oldest player ever to drop 51. Am I mistaken on that? I Probably so. not. Yeah, well, we're, we're we're too close to the end of the show for me to look that up. All right, that's fine. All right, well, we'll take it. Yeah, probably. Just just take that. Just take that, and just say probably. Uh, and sure, you you can take that to the bank. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked on Hornets. Hope you guys have a happy new year. We will not do a show tomorrow, but we will be back on a normal schedule on Wednesday. Until then, hope you guys have fun tonight, and remember to be safe.